It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals and Crosstown Shootout postgame edition. Yes, that's correct. I know it's not going to say that on the slate, but that's what we're going to talk about. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports comment senator with Rick Broering. Uh, and certainly, uh, Rick, we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk some college basketball later on in the podcast, um, just because it is arguably the pre one. It's one of the, it, it might, I don't want to say it's the opening day, maybe Bengals opening day, maybe Bengals in the playoff hunt are ahead. And when's that going to happen again in my lifetime? I'll probably be dead and buried by then. Uh, and then the crosstown shootout has got to be right up there in the top three. So on a day when yes, the Bengals play, and we're going to talk about that. And that's what this podcast is usually about. We have to talk some crosstown shootout, do we not? Yeah, so I've given my take on this a, a bunch on, on different platforms, but this may be a slightly new audience, so I will just throw out there one more time. To me, the crosstown shootout is the best day in Cincinnati sports, and I know everyone says it's opening eh, day. It's opening day. It okay, just but, is. But here, I'm okay. with you. It, it is. But here's my point. Opening day has nothing to do with the sporting event. It has to do with a block party downtown. And I agree. It is the best event in the city of Cincinnati. I will go as far as to say it is the best event in the entire city all year opening day. But it's about the party. Like, I don't even care if I see the entire game. I'll watch a couple innings a lot of times on opening day, and I have a great time. But no one even knows what happens in the games. If you name off any year of the Crosstown shootout, for the most part, in recent memory, any fan of those teams will tell you what the big moment was, what happened in that game, why it was significant, what have you. No one knows what happens in opening day games unless oh. Joe Randa hits up a uh, run or something. <laughs> Dude, I was going to say, come on, man. The Joe Randa moment still the greatest moment in opening day history, is it not? It is. It is. But like, that's, you know, okay. So you get like one moment that didn't matter in a season. That's, you know, like that's the thing about it. It's a 162 game season with the first game. That means absolutely nothing. So, Great event, to totally fun. But to me, if you're actually into the sporting event itself, this is the best sporting event in the city all year. Yeah, I like when the PGA Champions Tour came or whatever it was called back in the day. But that's just me. That's yeah, just, that's that a, is. That's just a. That's a. That's a me thing, bro. Truly, just you on that one. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, yes, it I, is. I do want to say. I was complaining the last time we talked about what are we going to do the rest of this podcast Ooh. all year and talk about this team and just like the Saint Nicholas. Zach Taylor and his boys put a little gift wrapped bow under our tree, along with the Miami Dolphins playing on the act. So I've got so much to ask you about this football game. Right. I didn't get to see a whole lot of. That's fine, because I guarantee you there's a lot of questions. I, I probably don't have answers to, but fire away. <laughs> OK, so the animosity, the fight, like that's what is all the rage and everyone's talking about right now. So we, we have to start there. First of all, was this really like a hotly contested game and a chipper game throughout, or was it just those few moments that got escalated weirdly? Yeah. I mean, the, the one in the first half with Tyler Boyd, I thought was, um, I thought was poorly officiated. In fact, I thought the whole game was poorly officiated, but that didn't cost the Bengals the game. So let's just clear that part up. Yeah. But can we uh, be clear that that's not a punch? I mean, that's not what a punch is. Yes, correct. No, no, no question. I, I yeah. mean, I, I honestly thought we'll, we'll go to the first half, and then we'll go to what was really the the brawl of the second half, which was the Mike Thomas hit on Jakeem Grant. Right. One, the one in the first half on Tyler Boyd was weird because um, it's clear Brandon Allen's throwing the ball away. It's clear Tyler Boyd has given up on the play because the ball's over his head. And I'm, that's not. I don't mean that to sound like I think Tyler Boyd quit on the play. It, no, the ball just, was clear. He had no chance. Head. Yeah. He had no chance. So he stopped. He took a step out of bounds, and then Byron Jones of the Dolphins two hand shoves him in the back. 
and he doesn't realize who it was. So he turns around and it's both Byron Jones and, and Xavion Howard that are both standing right there. So he turns and kind of, it wasn't a slug. It was kind of a half-hearted, like, I don't know, forearm shiver to the neck of, of Xavier and Howard. And then Xavier and Howard, I thought did a half-hearted, it wasn't even a swing back. And somehow they both get ejected. Tyler Boyd gets the penalty. And I want to tell you on our website at local12.com, just for full sake, um, there's a pool reporter at every game from the PFWA, the P- Professional Football Writers of America, who, when things like this happen, they talk to either the official or, in this case, he talked to Al Riveron, the, the head of officiating for the NFL. And Al Riveron talked about, tried to go through the dynamics of that play. And part of it, why people are upset is, why was there not offsetting personal fouls? Bottom line is, the officials didn't throw the flag. New York at that point, which is Riveron's group, can... Um, after the fact, determine if there was a punch thrown and eject a guy, but they cannot say, hey, you should have thrown another flag on that guy. So that's why that took place. So that kind of started it. Second half, Mike Thomas, the first punt return. Um, I thought he led with the crown of the helmet, but he was not early. And we can argue it was dirty. And I only say that because Zach Taylor after the game said that they determined that Jakeem Grant does not um, fair catch much. So they wanted to make it uncomfortable for him. And so the first one was okay. It was a, you know, he might've led with the crown of the helmet, but it wasn't dirty. The second one, I thought he clearly had no intention of letting Jakeem Grant catch that football went in completely willy nilly and blew him up. And that's exactly what his intent was, was to blow him up. And then game on, it was a fight at that point. And the funny part was as many people were on the field, um, I don't, there was no haymakers thrown because usually football fights, if you got a helmet on, if you throw a punch at somebody with a helmet, you're stupid, right? Um, but it did lead to the ejection of one Bengal and two um, two Dolphins. There's an argument whether a Dolphins player might have hit a Bengals coach, and we still don't know clearly what that was. I mean, it was a mess. And, and so the point is, Rick, I think when you have a mess like that and you have just – and there's more we're going to get into with Brandon Allen getting waylaid. And it just – it was an ugly, sloppy, messy – game that just made it look like you know what the coach of this team is not a professional head coach and that's where it is for me is after today that you know i've been in the enough is enough camp to a large degree but today was the one where you're like listen dude it's not a matter of losing control it's a matter of your team looks sloppy messy ugly awful you made no adjustments in the second half and we're going to get to that in a minute and i'm not a big believer in a lot of that poppycock a lot of times oh didn't make adjustments Sometimes it's a bunch of nonsense, but today it just looked like a team and a staff and an organization that is such disarray that you better start over or, you know, why would anybody care? Cause I don't care. And I cover the sons of bitches and I don't care. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, I'm obviously at the shootout as the game's going on and I'm trying to watch some of it. And I'm also keeping up with all the reports and everything. And I'm, I'm seeing what's being said. And a lot of the, the reaction that I saw was like, this is embarrassing for the Bengals. Was it embarrassing from the standpoint of like they lost control and they looked undisciplined? Was it embarrassing from the standpoint of the the play and the lack of adjustments and the lack of fixing attention to details and things like that were embarrassing or what, what was it a bit of everything? Yeah, a, a little bit of everything. I mean, when, when a game is as messy and ugly as it is, and then you're committing stupid penalties, that kind of compounds it. And sometimes it's maybe it's just the player that, he just lost his cool, and like I said, Mike Thomas might have just gone in willy-nilly and gone, you know what, I'm tired of this guy catching punts. I'm going to go blow him up. And it could have been on him. It could have been a directive. I don't I, I don't know that. And the directive might have been, hey, 
Make him uncomfortable. He doesn't like the fair catch punts. Go make his ass uncomfortable. I get some of that. I get being physical. There's also an over the line. The thing to me, though, the, 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 the most damning quote of all of the day, and I don't have the quote in front of me, and I wish I did, so I'm going to paraphrase a hair here, but it was T. Higgins. And I don't always take players at face value. I know you don't either, Rick, because a lot of times they say stuff. They don't even know what they're saying. Right. But it was um, a question of the Dolphins in the second half. What did they do different defensively than they did in the first half? And T's quote was along the lines of, yeah, first half, they were a lot of man, zero coverage, which means there's no safety over the top. Blitzing out of zero coverage, which is a lot of man to man trying to heat up the quarterback. And you can imagine that's smart on Brandon Allen. And he said in the second half, they went to a lot more cover too. And we really didn't know what to do. And I went, wow, wait a minute. You, you, you didn't know what to do. And again, I am completely paraphrasing. I don't, that was not the exact quote, but that was the gist of the quote. And it might've been the exact quote. I just don't have it in front of me at the moment, uh, but it was, but, but that's the way I took it of, huh? You didn't have anything prepared for cover two, which is a pretty basic defense in the NFL. And again, I take a lot of what guys say with a grain of salt of they're just trying to answer your question. Usually on these zoom conferences, as you know, Rick, they're, they're trying to be nice and cooperative because if you're not going to be nice and cooperative, you're not going to show up. You're just going to tell the, the PR staff to hell with that. I ain't doing it. So it's usually the good dudes that show up. T Higgins shows up at a lot of these. Jesse Bates shows up at a lot of these. Drew Sample shows up at a lot of these. And guess who the guys work today that did the Zooms with us? Those, those, those guys. Those, yeah. were the, those were the guys. I, and I appreciate them for doing it. I mean, it's it's professional of them. But, you know, but when T and then I think the question was asked to Drew Sample and he he didn't poo-poo it. He didn't like go, yeah, it's not completely true he tried to soft shoe his way around it. I thought, huh, if they were that unprepared for a change of defenses and the stats showed it, I mean, Rick third quarter Bengals minus four yards, first half, 171 yards, second half total 25 yards. That tells me that one staff did do adjustments. The other one didn't right? And I'm not a big believer in that. Oh, we adjusted. You didn't right. As a coach myself, I go in at halftime a bunch of times and have to make a few tweaks, but I never go out and go, Hey, you know what? We adjusted what they're, it's like, you know, Hey guys, we didn't do these things the right way, or we need to do these things better. I'm not adjusting a ton. What's the point? I mean, you've practiced for your team to do the right thing. I'm a big John Wooden believer. You know what? I'm going to do what I do well. And then you have to figure out what you do well. And some of it was John Wooden back in the day. Guess what? When I have Lou Alcindor and Bill Walton and those guys, I'm going to win 10 national championships too. But I'm a big believer in I'm doing what I do best and I'm going to fix what we didn't do well. And yes, there's a few things that you might have shown me that I got to fix. But I, I just I think a lot of that adjustment stuff is nonsense. But what I heard that of we weren't prepared at all for cover two, it's like, wait a minute, what you did? You don't have something in the playbook to go, hey, here's our cover two plays. Let's go to this. I mean, what, what, what that I thought that felt very damning to me. Maybe I could be overreacting, but maybe not when a guy is 420, whatever the heck he is, and is 014 and one on the road in his career. I think it's a coach, it's a buffoon and a clown. And he, he keeps proving it week after week at this stage. Well, and, and when you've got numbers like that to back up exactly what he's saying and it's obvious what occurred on the field i mean yeah i don't think that's an unreasonable take from t higgins at all and and quite honestly t higgins is pretty good in these things i wouldn't say he doesn't have a filter because a lot of times like he'll just recite cliches you know that don't entirely make sense or whatever i mean he's not like the most polished speaker in the world or anything but 
he, at the same time, like when he says something that isn't just a cliche or him just giving you kind of a generic blanket answer, it usually seems pretty honest. And, you know, I don't I don't think he has a, a huge filter and thinking a whole lot about what he's putting out there in terms of, oh, is this, you know, like he's usually trying to say the right things like he's pretty honest and, and forthcoming and and uh, positive. He's he's a great teammate. You know, he seems like a guy who's really. Yes, bought in. I, I, I love I love I love him. Yeah, um, I, I mean, he doesn't do it in a negative is, way at all. Yeah, no, this was just one where I went, wow. And I didn't think he was trying to be a be damning. I think he was trying to, I think he actually Being was honest. trying to be honest. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think he's at all taking shots at anybody by saying that. But like you said, it is very telling because I think that's a pretty forthcoming, honest guy right there. That's just brutal, man. And if that's the case, then, you know, we can put the fights and all that nonsense in a vacuum and we can do a lot of things in a vacuum. But you know what you can't do? You can't you can't just keep making excuses. And I'm tired of the excuses. I've had enough. I've just had enough. Well, I, I would say it's certainly about time on that. I want to ask you one more question about the fight. Their coach, Brian Flores, comes out onto the field, like looked like he was talking. I, I assume he was coming out on the field for Mike Thomas when he was making his way and gesturing, or was that Zach Taylor, or what was going on there with Brian Flores from what you could see? Yeah, it was hard to tell. And not being there and obviously being here, it's still hard to tell all the stuff that took place. But obviously there was there was a there was a lot of uh, contention between the coaching staffs. I think they really believe that that was a dirty play for whatever reason they believe that. And I think it's fair to believe yes, that was a yes. dirty play. I mean, regardless of how it came about, whether it was instructed or whether it was part of a game plan that kind of went wrong there, or it was just flat out a player taking a cheap shot. Right, right. It, it was a cheap shot. Bottom line, it was. Um, did, did you think Flores was making a clown of himself going out on the field and acting like a hardo? Or did you think that's more of one of those things that guys like to see their coach having their back and he's going to win his locker room over doing that? I was going to say, as, as a coach myself, I think I'd have gone out there and fought for my guys too. Um, you know, my guy just got blown up. Am I going to stand there and take it? And I'm not telling you that um, if I'm Zach Taylor, if the flip happened, I'd not be, I'd, I wouldn't blame Zach Taylor for that either. I, I mean, at some point you gotta, you do have to fight for your guys. You just have to fight for your dudes. And I, wh- whether you like it or not, I don't mind what, what Brian Flores did. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that uh, I applaud him, but I, 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 I get it. I completely get it. You're going to fight for your guys. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I think there's a big difference too. Like it, it fit. You know, I mean, it fit the reaction fit what happened on the field. Had it been something smaller and it's just like he's running out there and and being dramatic and making a a scene and and putting the attention on himself. Well, then it's like, well, is this guy a clown or, you know, what's he trying to do? Is he trying too hard here? But in that situation, it was a cheap shot and it felt like a very genuine reaction to be like, you know, I'm going to have my guys back and and go out there for him. So I think I think his players definitely liked it. And I don't know. Again, I'm. I, could I be taking this out of context? Could I be taking it out of out of the realm? But Jesse Bates, um, who Brian Flores earlier in the week talked effusively about how he played, he was really uh, impressed with Jesse Bates. And Jesse Bates, when we talked to him on, they all run together Wednesday, maybe I guess it was Thursday, uh, said he appreciated what Brian Flores said about him. Said he was going to go dap him up before the game. And um, Dave Lapham at the end of the Jesse Bates press conference said, Hey, did you get a chance to go do that? And he said, yes, I did. He said, uh, I was really appreciative of what he said. He said, I support that guy in everything he does. Wow. Now was that again, context or was that a guy going, Hey, I saw him. I saw him having his dudes back. I really like that. I mean, how do you, again, strip, how do you again, strip I, context away from today though? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, right. Right. 
it's not, I'm not saying it's just about him marching out on the field during a fight, but just in general, when you have a situation where your two coaching staffs are, are kind of chirping at each other and clearly uh, at odds here after a game in which you lost and you're going uh, out to, to say, Hey, I respect that guy and everything he does that you can't strip. The context matters there. I mean, what, what was I going on in the situation? It matters. I, what, I, it whether he meant a whole lot by it or not, it matters. Right. I, it was an interesting comment for sure. It was almost like, hey, dude, I'm a free agent after next year. You want to sign me? I'd love to play for you. Not this guy. <laughs> uh, again, I'm reading between the lines. I don't want to be Dr. Seuss and try to do things, but um, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, I don't I don't think you have to make too many leaps to get to to the point of it matters. Well, like what what? What happened in that game and during that game and afterwards for him to say that um, and make it a point, uh, I would definitely take note. Brandon Allen in this game, he got knocked out of it. He was 11 of 19, 153 yards. He got sacked five times in this one before he was finally knocked out of the game, Skinny. Who did you put it more on? Was it Brandon Allen? Was it the offensive line? What did you see? I mean, the the offense went south when Tyler Boyd got ejected. I mean, it was doing not great things, but it was doing good things. Um, you know, let's not forget they 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 had the ball four times in the first half. One of the times was the touchdown pass to Tyler Boyd, and was it lucky? Maybe a little quick out route and a nice block by Drew Sample and up the sideline. Tyler Boyd went, and Byron Jones took a terrible angle to make a tackle, but you got a touchdown. And at the end of the half, you're driving. You're down at the twenty. You have first and ten. You go. You go bang, bang, nothing. So it's third and 10. And then Brandon Allen throws the ball incomplete. And you have a chance to go up 10 to three. You didn't. And that's when the, that's when the initial Tyler Boyd, Xavion Howard uh, issue happened. And then when Tyler Boyd got ejected, it was almost like the offense had no other answer. And that's maybe when they went to cover two and said, you know what? They got nothing. They, they, they can't run it. They're not running it on us. We're not letting T Higgins get loose on us. We're not going to let anything else happen. And they didn't. And so they went minus four yards in the third quarter. So um, I thought Brandon Allen actually played pretty well for the most part. He threw a bad interception in the first quarter. He tried to, on a one-on-one matchup with Boyd and Howard, tried to pick on Howard, which is stupid. He's now got eight interceptions on the year, which leads the league. And he's got one in each of the last four games. So that's a bad guy to try to pick on. Um, but I thought he did okay. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the rush started to become it was 16 to seven and 16 to seven when the Bengals are down by two scores. It doesn't matter where the stage is. They can't run to the lick teams, just pin their ears back and here they come. And he just got buried and it stunk that uh, he got hurt. Um, the good part was it looked like I, I thought he broke a rib. He landed on the football very gingerly came off. And I was stunned when our second interview on zoom was uh, quarterback Brandon Allen's next. I went, Whoa, wait, what he's next. Cause usually when guys get hurt, we don't hear from them. Yeah. Um, and so that's a good thing. And he said, he, he, you know, his chest was bothering him a little bit. He landed, he did land on the football. And, um, if you've ever done that in the backyard, it does hurt. Right. I mean, there's, that's not a fun thing for anybody to happen. Or if you've played football, that is a terrible thing to happen. It just hurts like crazy. Cause, um, you know, the football doesn't give a whole lot. Um, I, I thought he played pretty well. He's not great. He's a, I think he's proven to be at least a quality backup, and now we're going to get a chance to see if he can't play either Brian Finley or, or Kevin Hogan. And maybe he does play. Uh, I, I, I'd like to see him again because the only thing I've got, got to hang my hat on for the rest of this year is whether or not this guy can be a quality backup. And, boy, that's pretty damning praise. And right now you're leaning – it sounds like you're leaning in the category of he's looking like he might be uh, okay backup, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's played played pretty well. I don't think he's been great, but 
You know, he hasn't been a disaster. He makes good decisions. The, the, the pass to Howard was, I don't even know it was a bad decision because I had people argue with me on Twitter that they thought Tyler Boyd had a step and I didn't think he did. I still don't think he did. But if, if people on Twitter thought he did, um, there's some people I respect on Twitter that clap back at me about that. And um, I, I said it was a bad decision and a bad throw. And most of them said, no, just a bad throw. I can live with the bad throw. I, I can't live with the bad decision. So I, th- I think he's done okay. I don't, again, can he win a bunch of games? Probably not. I mean, he's 0-2 now as a starter, and they haven't scored exactly a lot of points. But um, I think he's done okay. I, I just think the scheme and the coaching and all of it's just a mess. It doesn't help his ass any. It's, I, feel, I feel for him. I would assume you're much like a lot of us and, you know, you, you have to lock in on the Bengals game. So sometimes you're working anyway. You don't have a ton of time to watch other games. But when you're watching the NFL, I assume you're kind of flipping, maybe doing some red zone watching like that way. I, was this the first time you really got to dig in and watch a full Miami Dolphins game this year? Um, probably. That's a good call. Yes, probably. I've watched a little bit on red zone. You're right. I watched when Tua made his first starter too. So, yes, that's probably right. Um, what do you yeah. think of Tua? That's what I was going to ask. I, I, um, I, it, it was funny. He was so bad in the first half. Where that was really the first time I had an extended look. And, went, and then, boy, I'll tell you what, from uh, late in the first half through the early fourth quarter, he took them on four scoring drives. They were great scoring drives, but they were, I mean, they were long, but they were um, a field goal, a touchdown, a field goal, a field goal, and a field goal. Um, so he did some good things. He, um, he spins it well like I thought he would. He doesn't have great weapons. He threw a great deep ball to Jakeem Grant. They were back on their own 10. He zipped one down the middle, and Jakeem Grant went right by LaShawn Sims and dropped it, and it probably would have been a 90-yard touchdown. Uh, I think the kid's going to be good. Is he going to be better than Joe Burrow? I don't know. Is Joe Burrow going to be better than him? I'll be honest with you. I don't know. He yeah. finished the game 26-39, 296 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, a 72.5 quarterback rating. That was kind of the one thing that I was a little bummed about not getting to watch this game. Uh, you know, I'm not bummed anytime I don't have to watch the Bengals this year. No, you're right. Good for you. But I, I was kind of interested to see a full game of Tua because I've caught glimpses of him on red zone and, and maybe occasional games that I've had on, but never really watched a full game of him. So I was curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. In the first half, the Bengals probably should have had, could have had two interceptions, maybe three. Um, And yet the kid still, there he is. He doesn't throw an interception. He's not throwing an interception yet in five starts. That's pretty good for a rookie. By the way, shout out to the Bengals defensive pass rush once again, combining oh, they're four good. zero. They're so, yeah, they're so good. Yeah, they, uh, strong. They, they get you. They, they come after you and you have no chance. What a yeah. joke. Just really make you uncomfortable back there. Carl Lawson's a clown. <laughs> Skitty, anything else that stands out about this game? Yeah, it's stunk, and I'm tired of watching this team, and I got four more weeks to watch this crap. So, yes, that's all that stuck out. Can well, we talk basketball? Can we talk basketball? Sure. What, what do you What do you think of the Crosstown shootout? I watched the last five minutes, and, and um, so it's going to probably be the hottest take of hottest takes. I thought it showed – what you and I talked about on Thursday on the on the weekly podcast, which is Xavier is a more finished product, and they're not finished by any stretch, but a more finished, more complete product at this stage, that they had some answers down the stretch of where they wanted to go, and UC didn't. It seemed like UC, and again, I'm watching this with the sound down, trying to do interviews, trying to watch interviews, and I keep poking over. It seemed like UC tried to run a lot of stuff through Chris Vote late, 
He did some things, but not enough things, and they just don't have a guy yet. And guess what? That's okay. That's understandable. I think both teams got a lot out of this game. I think Xavier got the win it needed. When you're 5-0 and you've played five games and you have probably a better, deeper, more polished roster, you should win this game. And for UC, I think the fact that you were leading inside the last, what, five or six minutes um, and couldn't finish because you just don't know where to go, that's pretty good to me. I know that sounds... I, that probably sounds condescending. I don't mean it to be this game. I, I, I told you I, what I, I think Xavier, I had him by five. I know the line was whatever you see by two or three. I think I had Xavier by five. They won by eight. I'm not a Nostradamus by any stretch, but I just thought Xavier was the more finished product. And I think it showed up in this game late. Yeah. Fans are never going to love when they lose a lead late at home and, and end up losing a game by nine in which, you know, they had leads throughout at different times and, and UC didn't play all that well in the game, but I agree with you. I didn't think it was a terrible showing by them by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, the, my biggest takeaway from this game was what an enjoyable shootout. Both teams played above our expectations for either one of them after what we'd seen through their first games. And it was pretty quality offense. You know, that the defense left something to be desired, especially in the first half. But part of that was because the guys were playing good offense. And you mentioned Xavier being a more finished product and Travis Steele knowing what he had. And I think that's exactly right down the stretch. And you saw he kind of went back to the core guys that had played most of the minutes down the stretch. They knew what to do and who was going, you know, he had the confidence in the freshman point guard, Dwan Odom, to call his number a bunch in a row, like three times straight with the game on the line. And Odom just kept drawing fouls because of his speed and being able to put UC in ball screen situations Man, at a disadvantage. Good. Yeah, he's really tough for a freshman, just really solid. And I mean, he didn't even make a shot. He scored six points. They were all at the free throw line. Most of them were in the final minute plus uh, to seal the, get, seal the win. And that's all you asked out of him is take care of the ball, which he did play tough defense, which he did, and then uh, put the game on ice when the game was on the line. But I, I say all that. And to me, it was a really nice coaching job by Travis Steele and his staff because they had more depth. And as a result, getting the guys back, the three guys, they got back Adam Kunkel transfer from Belmont who averaged uh, 17 or 18 points a game last year to lead. And had, what, had six. In this yeah, game? He had two yeah. threes, two big yeah. threes and, and, and played an, a nice role off the bench and they added two freshmen, CJ Wilcher and Colby Jones. And Colby Jones was a guy they expected to start before the season, before he ended up in a contact tracing protocol for the first 10 plus days uh, here. And, and they just got him back on Friday. They got to practice one day with the team before this game. And yet Colby Jones was the first sub off the bench, played a lot of minutes, played a big factor guarding Keith Williams at times and slowing him down. Uh, like, I thought the coaching job that Travis Steele and his staff did to implement those new guys into the game without isolating or, you know, knocking some of the core guys out of their flow, the guys who had already been there right. and keeping them ready so that at the end of the game, they were still uh, able to produce and close it out. And the other part of this is they survived a night where Kiki Tan didn't have it. He, he played poorly. He didn't shoot. He didn't make shots early and played poorly offensively, and he let that dictate the rest of his game. He kind of became disengaged, and they didn't play him a lot. And it turns out with a few extra weapons off the bench that they have now in Kunkel and Jones, they can they can survive those nights maybe a little bit easier than you know you thought they could have a week ago if you saw him play. Yeah, I mean that, that, that's the key. I mean, I I I, w- I was a little surprised because um I, I you know Kunkel's been practicing correct obviously. Yeah, he, he's been practicing all along. So it wasn't as much of a surprise that they were going to be comfortable playing him because he's right. played, you know, like he's one of the starters uh, in those lineups during practice. 
Yeah. So, I mean, um, I, I think we talked about the same thing of, of what, what, what will the depth show up? And I, I think you see it. I, I mean, this is no knock on Tandy. Tandy is a good scorer, but there's going to be, he is Vinnie Johnson, man. I'm just telling you, those of you young guys and the young people, young women, young men in the, in the audience, go YouTube Vinnie Johnson. He was the microwave back in the day with the Detroit Pistons with Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars and those those teams back in the late 80s. He can come off the bench and get you 16, and guess what? There's a night when he's going to get you two, and you go, all right, Vinny, go sit down. Kiki, go sit down. We got another guy. It's not a knock. It just He's just one of those guys that when you got it, you got it. When you don't, you don't. And when you don't, I'm going to put somebody else in the lineup. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, he, he's still young in his career, and you'd like to see him develop still, but he is running the risk of – not developing if he if he gets disengaged so easily well, because but his I'm, but shot I'm, isn't going down. You but, know? I'm, but I'm okay with that at this stage. And and yeah, I, I think that still allows him to develop of, hey, man, on a night when you got it, I'm going to play you. On a night you don't, I'm not going to play you. And it's not a knock on you. It's not a knock on you as a player. Well, it just is what it is. Uh, but I mean, it, it, I guess my point would be, I think for Kiki Tandy, he believes that he's yeah. a bona fide starter and a guy who can be on the court for most of the game. And I but think the staff... <laughs> <laughs> the staff has the confidence that down the line, that's a possibility, but he has com- has to commit and has to be an, a more all around player and at least be passable on the defensive end. And right now he's, he's not good in any aspect of the game aside from shooting and scoring. Yes, correct. And, and that's, that's the problem. You can't play him on the, on the floor and he gets worse in those aspects. If he's not scoring early when he first gets in. Yeah. I'm telling you, Adam Kunkel, um, I'm just a big fan. I was a big fan of his in high school, yeah. as you know. Big fan when he went to Belmont. I just think he he's a guy that gets it, knows what his role is. He can get you 15 on a night, and he can get you zero on a night with five assists, one turnover, and give you 13 minutes and go, hey, I'm good with that, man. Good job. And um, I just think he makes him a more complete team. And that's where, like I said, that goes back to the original point of this is just a more complete team. I think the bottom line is, I think for both, I think they both got a lot out of it. If you're, if you're UC, you got a bunch out of this. You know where, okay, I got to figure out who my go-to guy is down the stretch. I got to figure out what my lineup is down the stretch. Um, and there's no way you should have expected that after one game of the season. I mean, if they'd have won tonight, in my opinion, it was more gravy. I think this game was bigger, and you never asked that question to me, which is fine. I think this game was way bigger for Xavier just because, you just couldn't lose this game based on, on where you were with your season versus you see with their season. So, and it's not, I mean, I'm not, I'm not being critical. I just think that was a, that was a truism and Xavier got exactly what it needed. That was a good win. Let me ask you this. Rick. Do you think that, and this is such an intangible, so this is an impossible question for you to answer, but I'm going to ask it. Would the crowd have made a difference in your opinion, especially with UC leading late, late uh, enough, you know, they, I think that deserves a mention to me. Like I thought the energy was great from both. was great. Yes. Court. I agree. They, they both yes. competed and played at a really high energy level. The entire big game. Time. Like, yes, big time. You know, I thought maybe there was a, a, a four minute war in the second half early where Xavier hit a little bit of a law and got somewhat lackadaisical and some of their execution and defense, but they snapped right out of it and got back to it. And for the most part, I thought UC fought the whole game. Now I, they don't have the toughest team. Like, Chris Vogt being their center, a seven footer got one rebound in the, in that many minutes. Crazy. That, you know, that's, that's not the epitome of toughness right there. Exactly. So they may not look like they're playing as hard in terms of like the physicality all the time, but I thought the effort was there. They competed the whole time. Now they weren't able to close down the stretch and that deserves a mention that a crowd, maybe some of that momentum helps them, but really I thought it's more about what you said is they didn't exactly 
execute and maybe know how they were going to execute right. at that point because so far, like Chris Vogt's been their go-to guy on offense, and that can't be the, the no, situation for them. It, it has it, to be David Julius or Keith Williams, in my opinion. And I think it will evolve into that, but I get it. He's a seven-footer, right? And you're going to go, hey, go make me a jump hook from three feet. And he just couldn't do it. And that's well, okay. Jason Carter beat him up all game. Yes, he just couldn't yes. he couldn't overcome Jason Carter's physicality despite having, you know, four or five inches on him. So uh that's an issue for them. And that and that's what we've talked about is it's too easy to take a guy like him away with the game on the line. So it needs to come from a guy like Keith Williams or a guy like David Julius or maybe even Mike Adams Woods, who it kind of was in the first game. But they've got things to figure out. And we knew that. I mean, that that was not a surprise to see. So I think it was more about that than it was not having the fans there. But at at the same time, look, it was in their building. They would have gotten, if anyone got a boost from it, it would have been them. And they had a lead going into the final media timeout. So, yeah, I, I guess it's fair to bring the question up of whether it made a difference or not. But I will say to your point about the game mattering more to Xavier in this instance, I think it it's it certainly in terms of like how the Xavier fan base was going to feel about Travis Steele. This game felt like a significant turning point because you, you want five and zero against mediocre competition and three out of the five games, you, you looked pretty bad to be quite honest. You, you so scuffled, you scuffled quite a bit. So coming off of two game, two seasons where fans, let's be honest, feel like the, the program has kind of been below expectations. You go five and zero against bad competition, not playing well, and then lose this game where I think Xavier fans expected to win and quite honestly they should win right then people are like that five and oh is hollow you know i don't feel good about this team at all we're not moving in the right direction steel is really struggling here versus you win the game you close down the stretch it i thought it was a good coaching job by steel and staff and it was pretty noticeable good coaching job so now i think everyone is kind of in the boat of like hey this team might not be quite where we want them to be yet but the things we were promised from Travis Steele in terms of a different looking offense and a better shooting team and guys with more IQ and feel on that end of the court, we're seeing some of that and we're, we're, we're getting some of the, the, the benefit of that right now in, and you can see how much potential there is still to grow and develop down the line, not only the rest of this season, but the next season or two to come as well. I mean, Rick, they scored 77 points without an offensive rebound. Think about that for a minute. The offensive rebound stat is the most ridiculous thing I've it's, ever heard. It's, it's impossible. It's, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my lifetime. And, and the thing is, again, I said this on the podcast I did with Brian Snow tonight. It wasn't like they weren't playing hard. It's not a no, no, criticism no. of them. No, to say no, they no, no, no. It's just it's literally still, it, a statistical it, anomaly. You can't it's still just, a zero. It's right, whether you like it or yeah, whether it's effort, you know, Whatever, it's still a zero in that column, which is the crazy. How think- does a ball not bounce to you? Correct. That's, One time. There that were is crazy. Of missed threes that were bricked in this game. You lose those games. You just do, right? Yeah, I, it, it makes zero sense to see that. But in fairness, they actually did a decent job on the glass because you see, you know, they got a couple weird bounces, scud missile, long rebounds that they got on the offensive ends, but they only got one uh, second chance bucket, right, I think. Right. You know, so no, it wasn't right. like Xavier got bullied on the on their defensive end at all, but it's just almost impossible to not get an offensive rebound. Craziest thing ever. Um, I, like I said, I, I, I think both teams – this is going to sound silly for UC fans. Got what you wanted out of that game. If you're the coach, if you're John Brandon, you can. You got what you wanted. You got to see, all right, who do I go to? How do my guys react? How do I fix this? 
It's only game two. And that's the big difference. That's what we talked about during the week of there's the big difference to us is one team's played a bunch of games. One team hasn't. And I think it really showed up tonight. So I, I'm, I'm still looking forward to watching how both teams evolve. Cause I still think Xavier's got a lot of evolution to do. They're nowhere close to a finished product. And especially with the new pieces coming in. And I think UC is a chance to be really good as well, especially in that league. So um, I, I you're, and you're right. I, I mean, I thought the energy was great. I thought it was, um, you know, for what I watched, I thought it was fun. Oh, I th- it was the best basketball I've watched so far this season. Obviously we're only, uh, you know, two weeks in now, but it was really enjoyable to be back in an arena watching that rivalry and actually get a good game out of it. Because I think we all had kind of low expectations for how aesthetically pleasing and entertaining this game was going to be, but both teams came through, especially with that first half. And um, it was a lot of fun to be there today. Yeah, no, no question. That's awesome. Um, We'll talk Kentucky basketball in the middle of the week. Oh boy. Will we? That's going to be a conversation you'll want to tune in for. Yeah, it ain't going well. No, it's really not. <laughs> All right, Rick, I appreciate it as always. Uh, we'll talk uh, probably Wednesday or Thursday. We have to look at our schedule, figure out where it's at. But we appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, this has been a kind of the mix ma- the mishmash podcast. For Rick Broing, I'm Richard Skinner. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals, and Crosstown Showdown. Shootout, showdown, showdown, shootout, shootout edition. Right? Correct? Shootout. shootout. I get my name. I get all that stuff messed up. Crosstown Shootout Edition. Thank you. 